It was a rare privilege to talk with Dr. Jafar Mui today. Jafar is emblematic of the statement, if I see further, it is because I stand on the shoulders of giants. He is the president of the Digital Dentistry Society for the next two years. And it is his mandate, along with the board members, to set the path into the future of digital workflow, digital innovation, digital science, research, um, computer engineering, uh, computer software, evaluation of products, uh, liaison with the industry, and it's an unending two-year cycle. So without further ado, I would like to introduce um, a very special man, Dr. Jafar Mui. So I, I would like to introduce everyone to Jafar Mui, uh, who is currently the president of the Digital Dentistry Society. Uh, we've just had a lovely conversation. Um, the scope and range of his knowledge, his experience, um, and the ability that he has to guide the good ship DDS into the future is extraordinary. So um, without further ado, and I don't know why my camera is flashing, but that's okay too, I bought a new camera. At the end of the day, um, this is about a man who begins in the early 90s and has simply embraced every technology uh, going forward. And not only that, but he was prescient. Uh, your establishment of periimplantitis early on was essentially a seminal force at a time when nobody really understood. So like most of the people that started out or that are dentists now, you started out as a doctor. So the question becomes your early days and Jafar, the floor is yours, as they say. Thank you. Thank you, Ken, for, uh, for this uh, amazing discussion. We had, uh, we had a very lovely discussion about everything before uh, the recording, and I'm very happy to be with you here. I follow all your uh, previous uh, interviews, and uh, every time it was an added value for, uh, for our project and everything we want to do by the... Uh, valuable people you receive in your uh, in your podium thank you you are, you are at the top right now the pinnacle of those people because you are leading the world of digital dentistry digital workflow but that's not what started out in your early days although ultimately you got involved in bioengineering and stuff but early on you were a brilliant student you're in morocco and your life suddenly takes all kinds of paths belgium sweden um, so can you tell us about the early days of Jafar Mui? Oh, you know, life, life is, uh, is strange. We, uh, I was supposed to, 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 go, to go first in Canada. Uh, you know, at that time, 35 years ago, uh, when I finished high school, or, uh, we don't have, uh, in Morocco, we have two, two medical dental schools. And uh, uh, to be in, you need to have, to finish the high school with at least 85, 85, 90%, because the demand is huge and the places are, are so uh, few. Uh, so most of the students, they, they will try to go somewhere and especially in, uh, in uh, French speaking countries. So uh, I had the opportunity to go to Belgium through 
a friend of my father who, uh, who could arrange uh, uh, the possibility to, uh, to go in the Belgian university and everything was done like this. It's, uh, but I was supposed to go to Canada because my two brothers were in Canada, one in Sherbrooke University and the other one in McGill in Montreal. French. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Montreal is like being in Europe. So yeah. you graduated in the early 90s and you started, you had your own practice for a while, right? In Morocco? Yeah, I, I, moved, I moved in 83 to, uh, to Belgium. And then uh, after my basic uh, courses in dentistry, I tried to, uh, to find my way because I, uh, I wasn't happy about the, uh, the achievement. So uh, I was also, uh, I was thirsty to have, to have other things. And uh, I started by doing some, uh, some uh, diplomas in the university. I had a position as a, an assistant professor in the uh, university hospital, St. Pierre University Hospital in Brussels. So, uh, then the, the idea to to uh, to go further in uh, in uh, science or dentistry science uh, is the fact that I I tried to move to uh, to Sweden for a, for a PhD thesis uh, and this is the beginning of uh, of another kind of uh, of education in my opinion. You started off basically on the way to your PhD, which started in 1995. You got involved, you were postgraduate periodontology, but you started looking at lasers and biomedical engineering. Yeah. So both of them, again, the, the thing that's striking in everything that you have done is you were there in the early days. This yeah. isn't just being, you know, this is not where this started. You almost predicted the trend laser technology, biomedical engineering, what was going on at that point that kind of drove you to pursue things that obviously were not mainstream as yet? I, I, I think um, I had to um, really to be an engineer instead of dentist. Uh, I was, um, I, I didn't have any, any kind of problem with physics, mathematics. And uh, so it was, uh, uh, for me, uh, all the, uh, the new uh, products like lasers, uh, implants, there is for sure something behind the technical applications. And those things behind are, were at that time, in my opinion, uh, implant surfaces, uh, technologies, uh, uh, physical chemical aspects of implants, uh, lasers, how does it work? Uh, we uh, we had at that time the first the first lasers in the university hospital, and we started to uh, uh, to work with uh, like uh, uh, a new uh, a new toy uh, with applications. But we had uh, uh, this, uh, settings like uh, like. Uh, how many watts, how many time, is it a pulse or supple pulse or, or this or that? But I, I, I really wanted to know why, for which clinical applications, uh, why if we want to coagulate, we need to 
raise the uh, the frequency and to lower the power and this so all those things uh, uh, brought me to biomedical engineering for sure because it's uh, we don't have enough technical informations in dentistry in dentistry journals we have just applications but we have everything set by the manufacturers they just give us cooking recipes to use and i was not really satisfied by those you know those ridiculous lines five watts three milliseconds uh during two seconds and you will have your uh, phrenectomy without any problems yes but if i want to change if i have a different morphology of the freno if uh, I'm, I'm using that on a child or an adult with a different kind of tissue, can I play with the, uh, with the parameters? And those are my first questions who brought me to biomedical engineering. That's it. It's, a, it's a just curiosity. How did you become so familiar with, I mean, you were an incredibly bright student. That, that goes without saying. But physics, chemistry, it, it involves mathematics. Were you training or this just be, this was just by osmosis? Like, how did you learn to do all this? Uh, you know, one, one, of, one of the worst thing is when you, uh, when you plan to do something. When I plan to do uh, a PhD, it was a very important decision uh, from my side because uh, I, I, I had either to return back to Morocco and I have my office and uh, start a family life and or go into six seven eight years of uh, of a phd program because at that time we had to publish five papers as a first author which is not the case tomorrow but at that time it was huge uh, and in a peer in uh, in a highly ranked peer-reviewed uh, journals it, no it was it was really a, a very hard task so uh, the decision when I took this decision and I find myself in labs with uh, engineers talking about implant surfaces, because I had with, I did my PhD thesis on peri-implantitis, but I had to understand what happened on a, a new as received surface from the manufacturer. We, we, we knew at that time that it's a turned surface but we had a special treatment of the surface to have this amount of titanium oxide on the surface, who is the key for us integration. Great, we understand that. And then when it's contaminated, how we can deal with the surface to uh, clean it and to restore the oxide to have, to dream about a reintegration process on a previously contaminated surface. This, this was when I started to explain to the engineers my project. And when I explain what are the information we have, at that time, there was just the Brunemark book, which, is, which was the reference. And the physical chemical aspects in the beginning of the books was written by uh, uh, Bengt Casemo and uh, Yuka Losma, who were the two engineers working on implants with uh, Perring, Barbronemark, and, and uh, Thomas Albrechtson. When I started to, to explain what I read in our dental journals, the engineers start to laugh and say, but it's ridiculous. You, 
means that you do not understand what happened on titanium oxide. That you, oxide is used in the superconductors in, uh, in aeronautic because it's a stable oxide, because it's, it can raise a very, very high temperature without having any problem. Because of this, because, and I find myself really ignorant, totally ignorant with those guys. So I was forced to go and to study a little bit physics, chemistry, it just, just to, do not, to do not appear ridiculous with those guys. That's it. That's interesting because I'm, I'm just curious. I didn't ask you before, and I, I, I hope this doesn't come across inappropriately. Your wife must be a saint. I mean, <laughs> I mean she has to be a saint. She's get here, right? And she yeah. is traveling and raising a family and all that stuff. I mean, that's yeah. that's incredible that she would do that on your I mean, it's like her life was changed dramatically. But at the same time, you're you're involved. Uh, you raised an issue. They suggested to you that that was important as well. When you were they didn't want you at the beginning. They, they right. They, they kind of looked at you and they didn't see how you fit the mold. Correct. And they talked to you about starting a family and your practice. What was the pushback at the beginning of your career? What, what did all of these people, I know that Lars Centerby and Todd Berglund and, and um, basically Jan Lindy, who I'm gonna ask you about in a minute. Um, yeah. There was an issue because they didn't understand your passion. Is that right? Yeah, for, for sure. No, I, I didn't understand what are the, the, uh, uh, the prerequisites to do a PhD. I, I was just, I, I, I take an appointment, uh, I fix an appointment with, uh, at that time, uh, Thomas Albrechtson and Lord Senerby, and I just moved to Sweden. I took my plane ticket and go there to, uh, to see, I have a project on uh, perimplantitis and I want to do my PhD and work in your department. It was at that time, uh, uh, Biomaterials Handicap Research Department, which is uh, now, one of the, uh, uh, the biggest source of, of scientific papers in the field of implantology, more than I think 5,000 or uh, papers uh, since they established it uh, uh, four, four, 45 years ago. Uh, they, they asked me, so just uh, let us know what, what you're doing now. This is your background. Uh, I say that I'm, I'm a young, uh, dentist and uh, I have a private practice and the position in the university. And he just asked me if, if, I, uh, if I'm married, I said, I, I'm, I'm engaged with, uh, with a very interesting lady. Uh, and he said, it's, you know what, you will waste our time and we will waste yours. So uh, you cannot do a PhD having a position in the university in Brussels and you want to do your PhD in Sweden and then having a private practice in Brussels and married. So I was really disappointed because uh, it, it was a no, it was a negative answer. I returned back to Belgium and I was very upset. I sell my private practice to a friend and then I returned back to Sweden saying that, you know, my my wife, I think it's the right one because I, it's very important. The second thing, my position in the university, it's very hard for a foreign student to have a position. Uh, 
And I think it was, you know, it was for me a, a kind of honor to, to announce that to my father, that I have a position in university, you know, how it's, uh, uh, how it's uh, important. And then the third thing was my private practice. I sold it, and this is the proof that I sold it. Now, is it possible to do something with you? Right. I think I, I think he was quite surprised by, by, by how I deal with all that. And he said, uh, welcome to the department. Ask the secretary uh, uh, to give you all the details. Uh, and then in one week, you will have to give me your, uh, your uh, a protocol for your PhD thesis, and we will start. So this is the beginning of the story, which is... Uh, Fantastic story. I, and one of the articles that I read that you thought this is part of your PhD publications. XPS and S. What's XPS? I don't know what that is. XPS and uh, X-ray X-ray photoelectron spectroscopy is the best uh, way to analyze the uh, the atomic composition of of the implant surface. I mean, if you have, for example, uh, organic contaminants on the implant surface of a failing implant. You can see by doing XPS if it's uh, the carbon sign on the surface, the carbon, uh, if it's uh, an organic or inorganic carbon. And it's the way we use today to know if a new as received implant is contaminated, coming from the manufacturer contaminated with contaminants. And this can come from the oil used to turn implant or uh, a different, a different possibility. And what, one, a part of my job today is to review some uh, uh, implant factories to see uh, uh, from where this contamination can come. So it's uh, it's uh, a, a kind of uh, of um, we have to find to find the virus or the uh, the microorganism. I mean. <laughs> Uh, responsible of the uh, the contamination of the implant. Yeah, so that's crazy. I you you just mentioned something very obvious. Um, the Clean Implant Foundation. Yeah. you've published with Dirk as well, and ceramic implants now, which is an interesting area. So you're an ambassador for the Clean Implant Foundation. So it's interesting because the time. I'm I'm in the board. Sorry, I'm in the board of of consulates. Yeah, yeah. I had the opportunity to meet Dirk and his incredible wife, Barbara Sontag, at the IDS. These are phenomenal people, passionate, committed, okay. just unbelievable. So what fascinates me is you, your PhD is in 1996, so you're looking at all of these contaminants. Dirk's foundation is recent. What was, yeah. the, what was the gap with respect to peri-implantitis, which really is evident 20-odd years ago, and now the fact that you're recognizing these contaminants? What was the reason for this missing piece in the timeline? Was this the manufacturers, their just their you know belligerence, the fact that implants was so big a deal in terms of gross national sales? Why? Do, what was the reason that that didn't occur over that period of time? It took so long to get to that point. Yeah, uh, um, I think there is there is different uh, parameters. Uh, one of those parameters is the fact that there was no enough implant brands during all those years okay. to cover the demand of the whole world. So the ones who were the leaders, for sure they, and you know them, they, they are still the big names, mm -hmm. they really 
doing implants in the best way. Mean that they put money, they have uh, they have factories with uh, uh, a passivation chain which is perfect and this and that. Now uh, the problem during these twenty years is was the uh, how to uh, uh, to give a CE approval for your implant or the FDA approval. The, the needs for that were so weak for years. You can really manufacture your implant in a, in, in a garage and uh, you can have the CE uh, uh, approval because they are just uh, asking for uh, a fibroblastic culture on the surface to see if there's nothing toxic, but it's not enough for us integration for sure. There, is other, there are other contaminants who will be harmful for the body, but they, will, they are not toxic at all. They will go to the liver or, or, or other places in the body and only be responsible of, 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 of failures. When a patient has failures of implants, it's not easy. He needs to, uh, to restore the tissues. He needs to put another implant. It's time consuming. All those things were like, it's not a problem. We, we, uh, we are all okay that there is 10% of failures for implants and that's it. Okay. And uh, now more and more new implants, dramatic ones, very cheap ones. And they, 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 uh, uh, the commercial guy will come to your office and say, you know, titanium is the same. It costs $70 per kilo, and it's exactly the same. And how to do it, it's uh, so we, you cannot explain uh, that an implant costs uh, $70, another one $400, and people, they can tell you that it's the same, which is stupid, totally stupid. You have some factories with robots taking implants without touching anything, going to sandblasting with the new uh, corundum, uh, with new things, and other ones who will uh, uh, use uh, a kind of basket to wash the implants, all the implants, 2,000 implants washed at the same time, and then dried. It's, we saw just incredible things in the field of implantology. And now, uh, thanks God, we have this foundation who is really uh, giving uh, a medal to the brands who are doing things in the right way and giving uh, quality products to, uh, to dentists. I, I interrupted you before. I didn't mean to be silly about, you know, coming up with a, you know, a, a vaccine for the, you said virus. Yes. Is there an opportunity now to use pharmacotherapeutics, um, anti, like chitosan particles, Something that will negate biofilm presence um, could be effective in washing the surface if it breaks down. Um, you know, using they're they're using targeted like uh, genome-related targeted stem cells, whatever, to eliminate periodontal disease. So your background in periodontology, do, do you think it's possible to apply some type of pharmacotherapeutic agent 
and stop periodontitis and allow for osseous regeneration? Is that a possibility in the future? No, many, many, many things were, were uh, tested. And if you see on my papers, this, this paper you mentioned, we test six uh, chemical and physical uh, techniques. Uh, and we really explained that, that there is no uh, single uh, possibility to clean an implant with those things. Even if we had papers published showing a case report, a success, we cannot play with case reports. If you want to give a real treatment plan to a dentist, you need to validate it in different levels. This is science. You cannot just say, I use lasers and citric acid and this and that, and I succeed, and he, he will show you a, a stupid radiograph, a 2D radiograph showing that there is a gain of bone uh, volume, which is, it, it doesn't make sense. And for years, we had this kind of lectures and papers coming. So what I can tell you that I, I study and I continue to study the possibilities to treat periimplantitis and I don't have any single solution, no one. Even if I was in the biggest lab in, uh, in, in Gothenburg where in all the stages you have uh, uh, animal departments, microscopy, atomic force microscopy, uh, everything to have uh, 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 a clear idea about what you're, what, what, what you're thinking of. So uh, this is not possible to, to treat because uh, uh, an implant surface is a very complex physical chemical thing. It's not a root and it's not biology. It's something else. It's materials. Even biomaterials is not correct because there's nothing biologic on the implant surface. It's just materials. It's a metallic component. It's an interesting one because there is an oxide protecting from corrosion, protecting from iron release, protecting for many things, but it is still a material. It's not a graft, it's not an autograft, it's not a biologic component coming from an animal or from another human who can have this passive reaction from the body, it's not possible to think that an implant is a passive component inside the body. It's not possible. It's not possible today. So there is no possibility to treat the surface with chemical things to remove the biofilm, to remove the bacteria, and the most important thing, restore the titanium oxide. Because this is the key of the problem. If you don't restore the Titanium oxide, and not anyone. You have TiO2, you have Ti3O2, you have TiO, you have different kinds of oxides, and every, uh, uh, every oxide has played a role in this disintegration, which was just a kind of uh, uh, hazardous uh, uh, con constant for, of. of uh, in, in, in clinical things. Uh, they do not invent osseointegration, they just by, uh, uh, you know the story with the Bronomark, they just put those uh, optic chambers and they discover they cannot remove them from the rabbit tibia and they discover osseointegration. It means that it's, a, it's a, not a fact, it's a just a hazard. I'm gonna ask you 
Well, four questions. Well, two about people and two about technique. So the first question is Jan Lindy, okay? Yeah. About him. You know, it's interesting when you talk to the people who are involved in socket shield partial extraction therapy, that whole thing is pivotal on the retention of bundled bone. And that's Jan Lindy's sort of, that's his contribution in some ways to the science. But you met him, you worked with him, you published with him. Can you tell us a story about Jan Lindy? Jan, Jan Lindy is uh, one of the most in, interesting. You know, I had the chance to, uh, uh, to work with uh, several interesting people like uh, Thomas Albrechtson, Lars Sennerby, Magnus Jakobson, uh, all those guys who, who put the principles of, of uh, uh, osseous reaction on biomaterials and on titanium. So they, they did all the first uh, experiments, absolutely, or the first contest. They, 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 uh, they fix all the basic or the standards for research in implantology or in uh, uh, biomaterials. Those people are uh, for sure very interesting, but they uh, um, initiate research with people from all over the world because the only place where you can do research on implantology at that time was Gothenburg. And uh, somewhere around George Zorp, you know, uh, uh, well, and so there's few names uh, who were with uh, uh, P.I. Bronemark and working uh, Daniel van Stierenberg in, uh, in, uh, in Leuven in, in, in Belgium, Flemish University in Belgium. All those guys, they built a core of researchers around implants. Those guys are, were very, very interesting, but they were quite difficult to handle because they, they almost see absolutely all the pathways, interesting pathways to do research in perio. For example, uh, Jon Linde, uh, when we uh, started to discuss about, uh, about the uh, animal experiments, the dog experiments we did on different kinds of implants from the polished, mirror polished one to, to the SLA surface, we create uh, artificial preimplantitis in dogs, and then we try to uh, uh, to uh, to try different kind of treatment to, to 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 solve the problem. What was amazing is that we had the possibility at that time, but by giving antibiotics to the dog to see the new bone produced. So all the new bone produced was colored by tetracycline just after the implant placement. So we can see the native bone and the new bone. So it, it is something with no discussions with regards to, uh, to the results and uh, the, but he was really difficult. He, he will listen to you, have absolutely all the steps of your study, but uh, every single uh, animal for the studies in his eyes was very precious. You cannot do just to test something, you can use this or that, no. You have to be sure that it's the right protocol, that it's the right study, and what it will come from this study will be beneficial for patient. Then he say, okay, we can do the study. And the problem today is that 
all those things sometimes are missing because the brands, they will pay or order a study and then they can give all the money for the study and then we can try everything. And the leaders, the scientific leaders who will be the real uh, uh, filter between the, the uh, commercial part of the science and the clinical part who will be used by, by the dentists all over the world, those guys, they are different today. It's my opinion. They are totally different. Yon Lindy was a monster. When you, yeah, it, it, nothing, nothing can be done just, you know, like between two doors. Everything need to be said, need to be written, all the protocols, verified everything. Thomas Albrechtson is exactly the same. This is the old school who really put the basis of dental research and we will we'll never thank him enough for what they built for us. Today, the, the book of Perio, the, the Lindy book of Perio is still between our students' hands and it's the basic for everything, for microbiology, for uh, uh, for clinics, for procedures, for surgeries, for histology, for everything. So I'm, I'm really glad to, uh, to have met those people and to, uh, to learn from them how to be scientists mm. and to protect the information who will be spread to the dentists all over the world in the source. We do not start a research if we don't have a real idea about the impact it will have on, on the clinic. We have uh, uh, ethical committees now in the universities. When you want to start a research, it has to go through ethical, ethical committees. You can see that the ethical committees of the serious universities in the world, they don't have a lot of projects between their hands because now they, all the projects goes to ethical committees in universities somewhere in the world, in small universities where the okay of the ethical committee is very easy to have. And then we can go through a protocol which will never be accepted in a serious Swedish university, Swiss one, German one, where people are really working on the best protocol to be given uh, to the dentist for their daily practice. Okay, sorry, I, I was I was a little bit. No, uh, you're passionate. Bit, it's it's exactly what I'm thinking, and, and now we are we are playing with the same thing for for digital dentistry. Probably we'll 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 uh, we'll discuss that. Uh, it's always the same. We we need to to put a filter between uh, what the industry uh, uh, spreads to the world and of dentistry and uh, the information who will goes to, uh, uh, to the dentist. And believe me, uh, the DDS is doing a huge, huge job in this side. We want to be this filter. That's why we are involved in R&D uh, uh, programs with brands uh, to compare uh, different uh, 3D printers, to compare cameras, iOS tools, DICOMs, all those things are under the microscope from DDS members 
DDS experts. And this is the only thing we can offer to our members is to be the, um, let's say the expert who will, uh, who will stop uh, uh, a light product, for example, or, or to encourage a good one, but this good one don't have the fence to go through uh, uh, new things. So th this is exactly what we want to do and we want to reach. And we started well because we have a very interesting science scientist in, in, in the board, uh, uh, Carlo Mangano, uh, Francesco, uh, uh, all, all those people who, who started uh, digital dentistry were pioneers in digital dentistry. Uh, Scott Gans is, uh, is highly interesting. When you discuss with Scott, uh, the first thing he, he will do is to uh, to give you a paper published, the first one published in what we're talking about, published by him. So mm -hmm. when you have the history, you can play with the evolution. When you don't have the history, you cannot play because you, uh, you think that you're starting something new, but it's not new. It's just a development of something very old. So I'm glad to have all those people around me to, uh, uh, to have a clear a clear view on on the new uh, the new things in digital. So tell me about Joseph Shakrim, who you know very well. He was born in Morocco. You've worked with him extensively. You've published with him. Um, Joseph is he's a he's a tough guy. In, in some cases, you either love him or hate him. I guess it depends upon you know which side of the coin you are. But you've worked with him. Uh, and he's brilliant. He's extraordinary. His mind is extraordinary. Now he's got his daughter, Alyssa, involved. So what's been your experience with Joseph? Yeah, as you said, he's, he's, uh, he's also a Moroccan. Uh, he, when he started uh, uh, the PRF, uh, uh, either uh, tools and, uh, and concepts, he came to uh, to my office in. Uh, I was just. Uh, I, I was. Uh, I was working in, in in Sweden for some some uh, uh, different project on uh, on uh, on implantology and uh, and cells biology. Uh, he came to, to to my office with uh, with a PRF uh, machine. Uh, he explained me in, in two, three minutes, what is the concept. I was really very, very interested to, uh, to follow. And then we started to collaborate, to discuss things, to discuss how, uh, how we can uh, reach this or that. But he's a boiling brain. Uh, uh, Joseph is, uh, is an incredible guy. If he come with an idea and you start a discussion, uh, his passion uh, probably goes sometimes uh, not against science, but he's too quick. And uh, uh, the scientific way uh, to prove something or to, uh, or to uh, drive uh, a research is very clear. Uh, it's, it's the same uh, procedure everywhere for every product, every workflow. Every procedure is exactly the same. Uh, sometimes he's very passionate and he wants to go quickly to the, uh, to, to the conclusion. So I think uh, 
with my, let's say my the Swedish way to, to do research because I learned from, uh, from the Swedish guys how to, how to never trust anything, even if it's evident, you do not trust before doing all the battery of research and all the battery of clinical testings to until the randomized one uh, who will be the 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 one which will give you the the uh, the final the final conclusion about about if, if if the procedure is 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 good or interesting or not so we had a lot of fun with uh, with Jose because he's a very interesting guy we uh, shout, we uh, hang off the phone, uh, discussing at 1 a.m., 2 a.m. He called me for a discussion about this or that. And then he uh, focused on something. I said, it's not stupid. We cannot go this way because, and then we hang up and then we call back tomorrow to discuss. It's, uh, let's say, a, a passionate relation, but he's, he's a brother and he's a nice guy. And, uh, Probably the, the people who don't like him, because it says someone, you like him or you don't like him, uh, go behind this uh, uh, this guy who appear like like uh, knowing everything. Like uh, uh, you cannot discuss with him because he has the right thing, the right procedure, the right. Go behind that, and you will find an amazing guy. I mean, this is this is what I can say about, about Joseph. And I know the discussions and I was around uh, uh, all the uh, competition between him and uh, uh, Rick Myrons and this, all, all those things in my opinion as a scientist is good for the science and for the clinic. We need to have competition, even if sometimes it's, it's, not, it's not really friendly, but uh, uh, we don't care. As consumers, let them fight. And then what it comes from this fight yeah. will be for sure interesting for our colleagues and, uh, and, uh, and patients. And this is the only thing interesting for me. It's to, to, have, uh, to have the right way uh, and the right procedure to offer to our patient. All what is around is not important at all. I'm going to ask you about Henriette Lerner, who just uh, received her PhD. Her advisor was Kathleen Naj, who um, I will bring up in just a moment. You published a paper with her on artificial intelligence. So your perspective on the value, uh, the integration, and the, um, how shall I put this, the incorporation of artificial intelligence and digital work into digital workflow. What's your sense of it? Oh, your first question was 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 about Henriette. Henriette, Henriette is an Aston Martin. Uh, I, I'm driving an Aston Martin. I know I know what I to, I'm talking about. It's an Aston Martin. Either you follow or you uh, or you change your uh, your way. Uh, very very interesting lady I, I i really start to work with her uh, inside the dds i met her one day in uh, in a dental xp meeting in tel aviv a few few uh, we were lecturing together 
I was lecturing on periimplantitis with Henry Salama was the chairman and the other lecturer was Pontoriero uh, from Italy. And we did a very interesting uh, session on periplantitis, and she was lecturing also in this. And this is the first time I, I, met, I met Henriette, thanks to, uh, uh, to Salama's brothers. Yeah. Uh, then we, uh, we worked together in, uh, inside the DDS to, uh, to reach the results, which is very honorable what we reached today uh, uh, at the DDS. Uh, she's also a very active brain. She's always thinking about how to uh, uh, to simplify things for uh, for a, a new a digital dentist, for example. Yes, we every single workflow is difficult to understand because we our head or our brain is analogic. Since our we born, we are analogic. We we have to touch this piece, and this piece have to go on this piece, and we need to see if it fits or not with our eyes. But it's always a triangulation. When you are in digital, nothing you will touch. Nothing you have to trust to the uh, to the uh, softwares, to the acquisition. Uh, 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 procedures and, and material. Uh, if you want to do, a, a, let, let's take an example, a matching. You need to trust on the DICOM file. You need to trust on the iOS file. You need to, to trust on, on the software file who will bring all those things. And then if you trust on these three things which are not really accurate 100% and worse than that, depending on the brands, it can be worse. All these three things need to be used to do a guide to put an implant blindly. So moving to digital, it's uh, it's another word. It's uh, and and Henriette at the time she understood that all those things are single problems we need to put together and do not have a major problem at the end, she started to work on how to facilitate those steps. And when you see her, uh, her PhD thesis, it answered all that. Artificial intelligence is to give you the best shape of the personalized abutment and, and, and the crown, uh, how to have from the beginning something make, which makes sense. And then the uh, lab technician will uh, put another cuspid or, or to arrange the profile or this and that. But in the beginning, you have something that makes sense. You don't take just the, uh, the uh, the tooth from the bibliotheque of, of, uh, of uh, let's say, uh, one of the, uh, the softwares. And then the, the shape is totally different than the other tooth and you need to arrange everything. You already have 90% of the work done by the artificial intelligence. And then you need just to refine it uh, to have the best, uh, the best outcome. Zero micron from Francesco, is that possible? 
I mean, Sorry? zero micron is the uh, new course that Francesca was presenting. Is that possible? Let, let me tell you, if it comes from, from another guy, uh, I, I will have a lot of doubt. But uh, also Francesco, we published some papers uh, together. He's in the detail of the detail. I mean, uh, uh, comparing uh, tools, for example, uh, if it's uh, sufficient to, to do two points, he will make four. Even if it's stupid, to compare three positions, we can do like this, one, two, one, two, one, two, and then have the three positions quite surely set. No, he will create a fourth one and he will also add the, 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 uh, the, uh, the measurement between these three and a fourth one, which is in the same place, just to be sure that everything is, is okay. He's uh, a, a crazy guy. Scientifically, he's a crazy guy because he, he worked a lot. He spent a lot of time to set a few things. So zero micron coming from, uh, from France, uh, Francesco, I, I, I buy it, no problem. So now bringing that into the next step, because I think that he, he was involved in the conference that's addressed the DDS meeting when you were involved at the Expo Dubai in 2020, I guess it is. Um, yeah. You are standing beside two gentlemen. Um, you've got your goggles on and there's a tooth floating, augmented reality arch floating in the air in front of you. The value of augmented reality in digital workflow now or in the future, what would you, what, what would you think about it or what would you say about it? You know, every, everything we, we, we consider that it's, uh, it's uh, for the near or the far future, uh, we are surprised by, by how quick we arrive to uh, using it in our office. Everything is done very quickly today. Uh, this work is done by two brilliant engineers, uh, Roberto Mangano and Matteo Valioriani. Uh, we're working on, on augmented reality, not virtual reality, augmented reality. Uh, and they set everything in, uh, in Dubai, in the Expo Dubai, in the Italian pavilion, uh, where uh, uh, myself, uh, Giuseppe Longo, who was one of the past president of, of DDS and Fernando Zaron is a masterpiece in, uh, in our scientific committee. Uh, we gave lectures on the future of dentistry, uh, talking more, more digital than analogic. So it was amazing because we, uh, uh, we had uh, a clear view on today and the future in different uh, topics. But at the end, uh, uh, Roberto uh, and, uh, and Matteo, they connect with, uh, with the classroom, with an auditorium in, in Naples, uh, thousands of kilometers from, from Dubai. 
And uh, we started to manipulate a model with a, a, a guide, implant, uh, nerve, bone. We can cut everything. We can put everything apart and we can reorganize everything. We can have slices of the bone and everything. And in Naples, they had absolutely the same models at the same time. And they can also manipulate and do whatever, whatever they want on, on, on this model. And the avatar of the guys in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Dubai uh, were in front of the students in the auditorium in Naples. So this is today. The applications today is for education, for sure, having lectures, even uh, PowerPoints or, uh, or keynotes on, on the, uh, uh, the HoloLenses. And the students, we know, we know today that uh, they have more than 70% of concentration when they have lenses than when they are in auditorium with, uh, with uh, a professor in, in, in front of them. So uh, even the acquisition of the information is very interesting by having the course on those lenses plus all the workshops, all the, uh, the hands-ons, everything is, can be done uh, uh, with in, in, in some applications uh, uh, with, uh, with those lenses. Uh, this is a part of the story. The second part will be for me in the future, because I read a lot of, uh, lot of things, is if we can manipulate a model uh, here and have it, in uh, uh, four thousands of kilometers uh, apart, we can probably do the same movement and manipulate probably instrument driven by a robot to do surgeries. Everything, sky is the limit. Today with digital and with the 5G, everything looks possible. And uh, the robotic and the augmented reality today are something who will mix a lot of applications and surprise us in many fields, many, many fields. So let's say we, we, we are in, in, in a new era of, uh, of um, surgery, of dental products, dental procedures. Well, I'm gonna have the opportunity, the privilege and the honor of meeting you in May at Symposium Seget, because you were one of the speakers, correct? Yeah. So the, the question, and I'm sure I'm going to get a nasty email or a nasty message about this. Tell me about Kotlin Naj. Oh, the, the, uh, if, if we create uh, uh, an embassy, a dental, worldwide dental embassy in the United Nations, we need Kathleen to be our ambassador. Very, very impressive lady. It's, uh, let me let tell you just a story. Uh, uh, we uh, had uh, 15 of uh, uh, Moroccan doctors. They moved to, to her country for a course of a famous uh, uh, surgeon there. And I just sent her uh, a message. Catalina, I have 15 of my, uh, my uh, citizens co-citizens there in uh, in your country and they have three-day course in uh, 
That's it. It was three, three words. She is friend of the Moroccan ambassador there. She is a very, very interesting, beautiful lady. She brought her to the course and they had lunch with those 15. And until today, they're telling me that it's the best experience they had because you know they felt they, that they have a special a welcome in this country and they even don't know anything about this country. So this is Kathleen. Kathleen is amazing, really amazing. And we are happy to have her today as a board member of, of the DDS. I think I saw the picture. That was Istvan Urban. That was his course. Absolutely, absolutely. Interesting. Well, she this the symposium. Uh, Scott Gans told me the last time she had a symposium before uh, COVID, there were like twelve hundred people there or something. It's like extraordinary. <laughs> Hungary, Seged is a small town. Hungary is a small country, but for somebody to have the draw to bring twelve hundred people to a symposium is exceptional. The last question I have for you is you've got two years of your life committed to DDS right now. You're the president for the next two years. What agenda do you hope to create so that when you go, you, so what is this, 2022? So to the end of 2023, 2024, what's your legacy? What's the legacy that you wanna leave? First, we, uh, we are working a lot on, uh, on the new embassies. Uh, we believe that, uh, that digital dentistry is, uh, is a hard uh, new topic in dentistry, difficult topic in dentistry. It needs uh, to, uh, to enter in the uh, formal education in universities, not as a, a, a specialty end of the, uh, the, uh, the five or six years of the history, but it needs to be present in the second, first or second year of uh, the dental uh, education or dental school. This is uh, for me very, very important. And I started to launch that with different uh, uh, Ministry of Higher Education, starting by Morocco. I had uh, uh, last uh, Friday um, an interesting uh, brainstorming with the deans of the universities in Morocco, with the Minister of Higher Education in Morocco, to have this digital dentistry inside the education from the second year uh, in the university. And then if we succeed to have that, we will have dentists already uh, thinking digital. Right. Uh, now we have also, that's why I, we need first to have embassies everywhere and to have people interested in digital dentistry everywhere. And then to make them uh, uh, being experts for DDS, we have some things to follow uh, uh, to give lectures as as uh, uh, certified lecturers of DDS, and then if we succeed to push them correctly with the local congresses in their countries, we probably will uh, uh, 
switch on something in those countries to uh, uh, to uh, to show to the dentist that there is a new era they have to go in. But if we take this huge responsibility, we need to be also behind the new tools and the new brands. Because today there is plenty of things coming on the market and uh, uh, not all the brands, not all the procedures, not all the products are really, uh, um, how can I say that? I don't want to hurt anyone. let's say secure for the final user uh, because the accuracy is not good the software is not good they uh, or they need to be uh, to be uh, uh, improved but who will say to uh, uh, to a brand or a product that they need to improve their product before starting to sell in it in a country where no one is really aware of what is accuracy of this or that, or what is the impact of a lack of accuracy on our proper patients. If they have the opportunity to sell products somewhere, they will just explain the procedure and they will show some of the videos and they will probably talk about the DDS, which is a scientific society and use our name and sell products which cannot be sold at all because of the lack of, uh, of uh, seriousness in, uh, in, uh, behind. So if, if we have, a, and that's why we have a, a, a also a project uh, we had to start before the COVID and uh, uh, now we will, it's, uh, it's the, uh, the quality control of, of, of everything or the, uh, the uh, the way we can launch a scientific uh, uh, projects with different universities, with different PhD students to improve or to compare uh, uh, different procedures or different quality of like, like the scanning, uh, the flat scans or the lab scans, if it's light or lasers or this or that, uh, uh, if it's uh, DLP or, or uh, all, all those different languages need to be compared. And the only way to compare it is to involve PhD students, to involve serious partners like universities, like scientific, serious scientific societies. All those projects are on the table. We just hope that we will have time for all that because it's... Uh, it's a lot of work, and the tone was set by uh, Henriette uh, uh, before it was Giuseppe for the, they put all the guidelines uh, for the DDS because it was new, it's to 2017, 16, 17. And then it was the uh, Aston Martin, uh, Henriette Werner, and then Carlo Mangano, which is the, the biggest scientist I know in digital, and it was during the COVID, but he succeeded to have a lot of achievements. It was incredible. Just for Como, he, we, we, we all say, no, it's not possible to organize a meeting in Como just after the, uh, 
and he maintained it and he pushed to have it and it was one of the biggest success of, uh, of, of the DDS. So all those projects for this coming two years, I, I hope that I will have time to, if I do not close it, to initiate it for the, uh, the, uh, the president-elect who is Francesco Mangano. And we, we really uh, wanted to have a scientist uh, uh, also uh, in the coming uh, two years, 2024 and 25. Uh, to continue all those projects related to uh, to basic science on on digital history. Well, um, the next two years are going to be a tornado, a whirlwind, a tsunami. <laughs> it's quite fascinating. So the the privilege of seeing you in uh, Seged will be in May. My pleasure. Uh, it's going to be an honor. Uh, you know, I'm sure you will be besieged with all kinds of people, but the opportunity hopefully will be there to at least share a glass of wine. I want to thank you for doing this. You have given me the pleasure of the last, I don't know, two hours of your life, right? And given how I, I, I really didn't feel that we discussed for two hours. Uh, it was for me, it was a pleasure, really. Well, it, it was it was illuminating to say the least, as I indicated early on. It's difficult in North America because DDS is a European entity uh, and obviously the most established organization. Different story here in Canada, but the objective is to work. Uh, Scott Gans in the United States, every conceivable effort will be made to ensure that uh, the footprint of DDS in North America will be established quickly and it will dominate as it deserves to. And so thank you for doing this. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, I'm going to let you go back to your, to your, what is this? So dinner, are you have, have you had dinner yet? It's, no, it's uh, quarter to eight. Quarter so to eight. When do you eat dinner on a Saturday in Morocco? Eight, eight thirty. Eight, oh. eight thirty. All right. So go back to your family, go back to your dinner. This was an honor, a privilege. I, and, and really, um, it was, a, a walk, it was a walk through the milestones of dentistry from the beginning of the era when implants became integral and now to the era of the future. Like we're living in Star Wars or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and so thank you for doing this, Jafar. I think this was absolutely brilliant. It was my pleasure, really my pleasure. So I'm going to say goodbye and I wish you well. Okay, see you thank in you. May. We'll see you in May. For sure, for okay. sure. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Looking, looking, looking forward to, uh, to, to the meetings in Canada. And, uh, oh, absolutely. They're coming. They're coming for sure. Working on it already. All right. Thank you so <laughs> Thank much. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. How do you acknowledge Jafar? 25 years ago, he was prescient. He understood the complications uh, of peri-implantitis and mucositis that are just now finally being acknowledged in terms of the scope of that problem. He did it with uh, the giants of implant research. He's now the president of the Digital Dentistry Society. It's an uncharted future, but a future that just holds uh, endless, endless wonder and potential. So stay safe, stay well, stay healthy. Please hug somebody. Again, we still need it. Even if it wasn't COVID, we still need to be hugged. And we'll see you next time.